you call yourself a maker? You smell like failure and corn chips. Drop and give me 45 minutes. This is not your grandparents' tinker toys, it's the Creators Collective. Listen up and don't give me that face. Right, Herbert Holtz and Walker are about to demonstrate the proper way to create. And if you got questions, you had better be in the live chat. Otherwise, I am going to plant my boots so far up your hiney that your mother is going to be crying. Now listen up, jelly pasty cow pies. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Creators Collective. And this week is going to be extra special fun, unlike the normal regular fun we have, because this week we have the special guest, the crotch lover himself, Matt Cremona. He is in the house and uh, ready to say hi. So say hi, Matt. Hello there. <laughs> yes, uh, we have a, uh, a good week planned here and uh, looking forward to seeing what you have. If you would like to, uh, if you're in the live chat and would like to have a question for Matt, go ahead and throw that in there and we'll try and get those for him. Also, uh, we are recording this on Monday before, so this won't be released until Thursday. So if you're listening to this, uh, forget about what I just said. <laughs> We're here. Uh, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, traveling, the three of us, over the next few weeks, so we'll be recording on odd days. Uh, but we'll still try and keep the live chat, so if you do want to hop in on the live chat on our YouTube channel, uh, just pay attention to either Facebook or Instagram, and uh, we will be letting you know when we'll be doing the live chat that week, which will be kind of uh, fun. <laughs> Russian roulette with with live chat. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's jump into this. Uh, Zach, what you got? You have a mouthful of pizza. Will, what yeah. do you got? <laughs> I'll take some uh, of that. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot going on. Actually, I just ran, um, I kind of ran into the podcast today because I was teaching uh, a friend of mine how to turn a bowl on the lathe. Um, I, I really like teaching. Uh, in person, it can be a little nerve wracking, though, because as someone who is a more experienced, Turner, I'm not the best Turner, but I'm more experienced than a total beginner. Um, I I know the sound that a lathe makes when it's unhappy and when it's about to catch and when it's about to throw something off the lathe, and the 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 student doesn't. And so I was teaching her how to turn a bowl with traditional uh, uh, with a traditional bowl gouge with an Irish grind on it. And she was getting her left and rights mixed up and closed flute versus open flutes mixed up. And I'd say, close the flute. And she would open the flute. And I was like, ah, close the flute. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I was just waiting for this nine-inch cherry bowl to, like, fly off the lathe and, like, smack her in the head. Uh, but uh, but it didn't. And she's coming back to finish it tomorrow. Um, I am still about – I still haven't started, but I'm about to start on the – walnut dining table build with two turned pedestal bases uh i am i reorganized the shop i'm trying to get like laser focused in the shop i'm finishing my basement right now uh actually i just got to meet joshua farnsworth of wooden shop um wood and shop hands <laughs> uh, out there <laughs> Uh, he runs nope. a, he's opening a school for woodworking, uh, and he's about 20 minutes from me and some of the guys from the Fredericksburg area woodworking guild were coming down to our area to, to meet him in his shop and kind of learn more about the school and they invited me. And so that was really cool. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's what I got going on. How, now, um, what's the diameter on the pedestals you're turning? Uh, they'll be about nine and a half inches. Oh, okay. By 27-ish, maybe 25-ish inches tall. And then the tabletop and the uh, cross supports 
so it'll end up being 30 and the table will end up being 30 inches tall, which is a pretty standard table height. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've got to subtract all the, the other components and figure out how tall it is, but it'll be about nine and a half inches around. That's, that's one of my favorite tricks to, to play on people who don't build furniture is you tell people that like, yeah, your average table is like 29 to, you know, 31 inches tall. And they're like, okay. And then you hold your hand where about 29 to 31 inches tall, especially if you're in a room that doesn't have a table. And they're like, no way. There's no way it's that low. That's mm -hmm. ridiculous. That is not right. I'll bet you he could probably win bets. I've never done it, but it does look ridiculously low. And then you, you know, hold a tape measure up to one. You're like, oh my God. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. When I was talking to the woman um, for this table commission, you know, we were going over sizes and widths and lengths. And I was like, yeah, and you want it about 30 inches tall. And she was like, that seems really short. Can you make it taller? And I was like, she's like, we're a really tall family. And I was like, all right, go inside, measure your table, your current <laughs> table. And it was like 29 inches. And she was like, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, uh, I can make the table yeah. taller, but you you won't have any chairs that fit it. <laughs> yeah, you'll you're be really eating like, like with the, your chin. Yeah, <laughs> that's the worst is when you go into a restaurant and they didn't think about like matching the table height to the chairs and it's either like way too low or yeah. way too high. Yeah, don't want that. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what, now that you're not eating pizza, what? <laughs> I still am, but I'm on like a pizza <laughs> intermission. So, um, pizza mission. Yeah. Uh, so I have been spending a lot of time on. I have a. I, I got a fear. Uh, P H E E R. Uh, down to setting the thing up and kind of getting used to it. Getting used to grinding some bevels, and I just I made a couple of little knives and. Uh, yesterday i think it was no it was the day before yesterday there's an old beat up ball peen hammer that i found a long time ago and i i finally like reprofiled and redid all the the bevels and kind of redesigned the the shape of that thing just kind of getting accustomed to how to uh you know use a belt grinder so that's been a lot of fun today is not fun though i am out uh doing the body work on my truck and i hate it i hate sanding and i hate body filler and i hate it's terrible but yeah anyway that's what i'm up to strong word it gets old so fast it's one of those things where you're like that's eh, not that bad and then you go out there and you start doing it and you're like oh my god just knowing that you're going to be doing it for like six seven hours straight it's, it's terrible so yeah. I, I saw that knife that you did uh, on the fear grinder. That that was pretty cool. Thanks. It, it made me look into into grinders, belt grinders. <laughs> that was yeah. That was just something quick. That was actually just a chunk of mild steel. And like I said, I'm just trying to get used to grinding bevels, and it's trickier than it looks to you know to to try and get the angles right on there. The hammer was really cool though. I'm really happy with the way that one turned out. I got a picture of that on my Instagram. If anybody's That's curious. Sweet. Um, are you going to, you have, a, you have the forge, right? Mm -hmm. So you can heat, heat the steel up to, you know, whatever it needs to be heated to. And then when you're going to temper the blades, are you going to use your household oven or will, would your wife kill you? Um, I'm probably just going to get, I mean, I've done a good amount of ornamental blacksmithing, but, uh, blades and, you know, hardenable steel is new to me. So I'm probably just going to get like a toaster oven and then I'll, for the time being, and then I'll, I'm going to do my research and figure out what I want as far as a, uh, well, as far as a <laughs> I, I muted that too. It's a pizza. Uh, <laughs> we can cut that out. See on your face. <laughs> uh, uh, the Creators Collective Podcast, the most professional podcast on the internet. <laughs> yes. 
um, anywho, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to do some research on like an actual proper, you know, kiln slash like tempering oven. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of them out there, but I can't remember if last week I talked about it, but I'm going to be going up to Indiana the week, well, the 26th, the end of the month to take a big forging class up there on the hydraulic press and some hand forging stuff as well. So should kind of, kind of gearing up to do some like hatchets and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Sounds like fun. James, what are you working on? Well, um, I'm working on the glue test. (laughs) 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 It's coming down. I'm hoping today to actually have all the data crunched by the end of the day. Um, have all the tests done. So I'm, I'm currently, um, just shy of three quarters of the way through actually breaking off all the blocks. So it's, uh, it's, it's coming along, but I did, uh, yeah, 1,280 actual test blocks. Um, a little over three, 1,350 of blocks I've broken. I've just had a, a bunch of pre-test blocks so I could test the test. <laughs> but but I, I did a video uh, Saturday um, actually going through the whole process and explaining what the test is all about and a lot of the scientific stuff behind it. A lot of people really thumbs down the video because I was just talking about the test and didn't actually tell them any numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was kind of one of those things I had to do. And it was a long one. It's like 16 minutes long of just me talking about the test and actually explaining the parameters. But if I want to make it somewhat scientific, I've got to do that. So, <laughs> But, uh, oh, and then, yeah, then today I actually did a live video on the channel um, where I went through 32 of the blocks, um, breaking them, and so people could actually start to see the um, see the test and kind of get an idea of how it was working, and um, I, they could get on there and guess. I wonder what this pre- what pressure this one's going to break at, <laughs> and that was that was fun because a lot of this is really surprising to me. Uh, there's a lot of outcomes that I was not expecting. Can you share any of those yet? Um, no, because uh, because this <laughs> talk, test costs so much. Uh, I'm really making this as a, a big thank you to my patrons uh, for helping me out with this test, and they have uh, they've really um, stepped up with making this happen. So until Saturday, the only people who know the answers um, are my patrons on Patreon. I'm sharing my uh, my spreadsheet with them. Uh, but come Saturday, when I release the final video, I will release the spreadsheet and all the data that goes with it. So all right, now so if you're really big- itching and you want to see it now. There you go, Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now drumroll, please. Let's get involved with uh, with Matt Cremona, our special guest. Matt, what are you working on right now in your shop? Right now in my shop, nothing. I'm at like a nice little holding uh, period right now. Um, I've been working on the uh, waterfall tables for the guild for the last few months, and now I have two of the tables done, and the third table is waiting on the glass to come in for that. So, so while I'm waiting for glass to come in, I'm literally not doing anything, which is nice i haven't done that for a long time long time so kind of like a little time off a little bit to catch up on other things that i was supposed to be working on this whole time but i haven't unsticky <laughs> yeah. from all of the epoxy you've been pouring i didn't get that messy actually it's been it was good very clean <laughs> <laughs> no spills <laughs> yeah i i saw that uh i recently did a live edge void fill uh with some epoxy that I hadn't used before and it didn't cure on the first pour or on the second pour rather. And it was really frustrating. And then I saw your video where you talked about the different mixing ratios of epoxy and you were like bending the thing in half and it was like this super rubbery, like, and it was, it was counterintuitive where you add less hardener 
and more resin. Is that yeah, right? That, to... that product is really goofy. I, yeah. Uh, it's It has some really nice working properties, so it works really well. And I can see why people like it. I just can't wrap my mind around how the heck it actually can cure at a different ratio. Because in my mind, that means since it's a chemical reaction, there's unreacted reactants left over <laughs> afterwards if it's mixed at a different ratio. So something doesn't add up to me at least. So I don't know. It's a little goofy. Yeah. And like I, everything that I read on, uh, what was I using? Uh, Ecopoxy? Uh, no, it wasn't the Ecopoxy. I was using the Envirotech Slight um, because Peter Brown recommended it uh, and he does everything in epoxy and resin. So I was like, oh, I'll take his word for it. And my first, my second pour like didn't cure at all. And it just turned into, it felt like a melted gummy bear. <laughs> and i was like okay well i'll just leave it for a week and see if it cures and it never did and this was on a commission piece and i was like Oof. yeah so i had to dig it all out and it still wasn't perfect and i had to i had to basically tell the client like hey uh this might not cure and i'm gonna need to do an overpour <laughs> on it in place they're like oh this might okay. not cure <laughs> But it might at the same time. I don't know. It's been a really long time. And so it made me curious to to experiment with different ratios. Did you ever and figure out why it didn't cure? I think my shop I think well? my shop I mixed I mixed it for two minutes like they told me to. Um I double I did the double, you know, container thing where you put it in one container and then you put pour it in another container and the it's supposed to be, you know, the best way to mix. Um, I think my shop just wasn't warm enough because it was a commission over the winter. And my, my shop is in my basement and hmm. it wasn't 75 degrees down there, which is like what they say yeah. is the best. And so, yeah, that was kind of like a wah, wah. Uh, and the kicker was this, this is after I tried to talk them into not using that certain slab because it was such it was going to be such a big epoxy pour uh, <laughs> and take multiple pours to not set it on fire. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, no, we really want to use this. And I was like, but I've got a guy. And they're like, nope, we want to use this. And I was like, okay. And then, of course, it just went bad. It went badly, poorly. <laughs> Zing. Yeah. <laughs> so what, uh, what you got next then coming up? Um, I got a couple shop projects, and then I'm going to work on the sawmill for a bit before the next guild project starts in the summer. So you get the got- hydraulics in this year? Uh, maybe in the fall. I don't think I'm gonna have time to do it all before the next project starts in the guild. But um, probably. What are you working on next on the on the on the mill? Uh, I gotta put it back together. Still, I took it apart in August to paint it, and I never finished putting it back together. So it's still sitting out there with the lift mechanism not in there. And I want to get it all buttoned up, like all of the the initial version stuff but- buttoned up, so it's all done as far as the manual basic mill version goes. So that's kind of like compartmentalizes its own thing before I start adding the hydraulic options to it. So I have a few little details here and there to do to finish up, and then that should be good. I'm gonna cut stuff again. I miss cutting nice. stuff. So when I when you first announced this build, uh, you kind of had a, a an estimate of how much it was going to cost. Yeah. And now that you've kind of gotten the basic mill done and it's cutting, uh, do you, you think that you've pretty well stuck to that? uh estimate or did you go over under yeah so a lot of things happened through the whole process so my initial estimate was five thousand dollars to build that and that estimate was based off of the cost of the wheels and all the steel and a thousand dollars for 
everything else. And two things kind of happened. So first of all, everything else added up pretty quickly because <laughs> like a lot of little things just kind of added to it. And I, I kind of blew through that. I'm like, oh, I should use some really good paint. So I spent like $500 on paint. So like stuff like that kind of affected that. And then the other thing that happened was as I got into it, some of the things I had planned to like make myself and save money there, I was like, screw that. I'm just going to go buy the best whatever and make it as heavy duty as possible and not worry about it. So like the blade guides, I was going to make those it probably cost me around $50 in materials. Um, I bought those ones. And they're $250 a piece, so $500 for blade guys. So I spent 10 times as much on blade guys as I had originally intended. But really happy with the results because I did it all for right around 8500 And nothing you can buy unless you start spending like $100,000 is built to that level of, <laughs> um, a lot of people call it overkill. I call it vibration dampening. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I did pretty well. Yeah, it's an incredible machine. Like I'm jealous, and but I know that I'll never do that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's exactly the thought that I had before I started it. Because I was always like, I always saw these builds on the internet of people making these bandsaw mills. I'm like, this seems really unattainable to me. And then I was like, maybe I can do this. And then now that I did, I'm like, there really isn't a whole lot to this thing. I think that's kind of natural, though. I mean, think about before you started building stuff, like even things that are relatively simple now, they were like super intimidating. At least that's oh, the way it was for me. It, does, it definitely translates to other areas as well. I, I mean, I, I remember like doing like the wall mounted bottle openers and I was like, Oh man, I don't know if I can pull this off. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you say? We move on to a few questions. I've actually had uh, several come in from the, the chat and others that uh, have questions for Matt. Um, oh, Ryan, Actually, yeah, Will, this one came in from uh, from one of yours. Why don't you read it? Yeah, so Ryan T. Collier, um, since you and Matt, so you being me, Will Walker, um, <laughs> <laughs> since, you, since you and Matt both have kids, how do you manage com the competing priorities of woodworking uh, or shop time and family time, uh, you know, house time and spending time with your family? Apparently, they're not interested in how James handles his kids <laughs> in work life. <laughs> There's like that guy just ran like 50k. Like we don't want to ask him any questions. Uh, yeah, we could we could include James on this. And Zach, you have to sit out because you're, you're you know I have two dogs. Kidless. Yeah, I have three dogs. Yeah, and a kid. Oh, okay. You win. <laughs> All right, so Matt, let's start with you because you're the the guest of honor. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> I have a fairly easy answer to this. It's a uh, schedule, I think. Uh, I have a pretty set schedule. So I have work time and I have family time. And that's pretty much how my days and weeks go. Yes. Cool. That. Answer. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, so. An answer. <laughs> no, all right. So I guess mine, because this is becoming more and more of a career where it's bringing in money, um, my work day. My wife is really encouraging me um, to make money uh, for the family, uh, so I have I like, like that. yeah. So I have like my you know I drop my daughter off at her preschool in the mornings, and then I come back uh, and get to work. And then when my wife gets home at four thirty five o'clock, we come upstairs for family dinner time. Uh, and then because I spend the mornings with my daughter, my wife really likes to have. Uh, that time with our daughter in the evenings where she can feel like she gets to spend time with her where I'm not 
it's not like a not like a selfish thing, but she just likes to spend time with with just her, and uh, so that frees me up in the evenings to edit videos or go back down to the shop and work on something or you know relax my brain or try to read a book or something. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it's because this is uh, starting to become more of a career and less of a hobby. That that's that's how I balance it. Um, I don't know, James. You're the stay-at-home dad, yeah. <laughs> woodworking hobbyist for fun guy. Well, when the kids are like three years old and younger, it can be a real pain because they <laughs> they they're at the age where you still have to have a constant eye on them, and so you either have to have someone else in there or you have to have a playpen in your shop. <laughs> um, and I actually did that for a while. I had a, a playpen in my shop, and I would have one of the kids in there, and they would have their toys and. Um, it's one of the benefits of being hand tool only. Um, but as soon as I could, I made them a part of the shop. Um, so they would always be playing with the scraps or you know, working on something on their own bench. And I gave them their own box of, of dull tools that they would be you know, banging away. So I'd be chopping on my bench and they'd be chopping with a screwdriver on their bench. So I hear that dull tools are more dangerous than sharp tools. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, that seems like it's just... Punching that <laughs> right in the face, huh? <laughs> when I mean like Dalton was from Darwinism. <laughs> I think you mean blunt tools. <laughs> yes, like <clears throat> screwdrivers instead of chisels. <laughs> he gives them a bunch of small objects that they can choke on and figures only the strong will survive. Yes. <laughs> no child of mine will be weakly. <laughs> His gene pool goes very deep. <laughs> Now I just like to make them as a part of the shop as soon as possible, but uh, there there is that age until like around three where it just um, it, it it's in many ways a pain because you just have to constantly have an eye on them. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not an easy answer. No, it's funny because I bring I bring Morgan into the shop with me sometimes. Like if I just have to apply a coat of finish on something, um, and I'm not you know running power tools, and I've got you know keys on most of my power tools. The answer she couldn't just go push a button and turn it on. Um, but I was down in the shop the other day and I just needed to do something really quick. And, you know, she said, you know, daddy, your shop is dirty. We need to clean this. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. It's so I gave her a broom and just, she's, she'll be three in June. And so she was happily sweeping up, you know, sawdust. And I didn't realize that I had left like a super sharp half inch chisel on the, on the bench, like in, in grabbing distance of her. <laughs> And I thought she was sweeping. I turned around and she comes up and she brings this half inch chisel to me. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and th then I took it away from her in, in a panic and then that upset her. And then I was like, okay, shop time's over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Matt, do you ever bring your kids in the shop? Yeah, pretty often. They're out there. It's usually uh, a disaster when they're out yeah. there. <laughs> like they cause a disaster. So like it's, just like, how much crap can we throw on the ground and make a mess of everything? Yes. So, kind of how it goes with them in the shop, both of them. Yeah, luckily my daughter likes clamps. I don't know why. That that's a tool that I will gladly like. Yeah, here, here's a clamp. Go have fun. <laughs> Just clamp things. <laughs> so try that. I don't know. <laughs> my oldest likes nuts and bolts and screws. So he's okay. always like dumping out the bins of screws. Just on the floor for like no reason, and sometimes we'll pick them up, and sometimes we'll put them in weird places. And I'll find like <laughs> bolts, like all the 
in my sliding dead man there's always bolts in there and then like the whole fast holders on the leg of my bench is always some bolts in there and then my youngest likes the uh to dump all the finishes and glue bottles on the ground <laughs> my dog likes it when i put peanut butter inside of the little red rubber thingy <laughs> <laughs> like the kong yeah <laughs> is that the end of your story mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. We have another question from uh, Make Brooklyn. Uh, question for Matt: Number one, coolest thing you sliced up on the giant bandsaw, or two, the scariest moment of using, uh, uh, using or building the aforementioned giant bandsaw. Uh, coolest thing? I don't know. They're all like I feel like I must be like really easily like impressed. It's the excitement of cracking one of those open. It's just like you never know what you're gonna find. It's like some every, sort of every time. I don't know. They're all. Some sort like of lottery. Answer, which one's your favorite kid? I can't answer that. <laughs> the, they're all pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think any of the bigger logs, probably some of my favorites of some of the coolest ones because of their, their overall size is kind of cool, I guess. What is one of your favorite species to cut? How about that? God, it's even that. I, don't, like, I just like them all. Like If it just has something interesting going on in it. Human. Human, yes. Homo sapien, please. <laughs> Lay down here. <laughs> Try not to move. <laughs> All right. Have you, it's a bond have, you, <laughs> have you had any scary moments uh, on the bandsaw mill? Uh, besides the time when the weirdo named James Wright came up and messed around <laughs> on it. That was probably one of the more productive days or day, yeah, <laughs> two days that we had. That was fast. Um, I see, like, things don't scare me. Like, I feel like people on the internet get scared, like, really easily by anything. Yes. So, like the I haven't put it in, in a video yet, but like the one time I had an actual blade break and come out of the the mill, like it sh- it shot out of the um, the idle side right across uh, <laughs> the log, didn't really scare me because I'm kind of standing up behind the mill and it happened so fast that like don't even know what happened. But I know if, as soon as I put that in the video, I'm gonna get all kinds of weird stuff like. You're gonna kill yourself. You're gonna kill everybody. Someone next door is gonna die. I don't. I don't know. You're gonna kill everybody. <laughs> All the people. <laughs> All the people. Yes. <laughs> cool. That's probably the closest thing to scariest moment, I guess. Even though it wasn't that scary. Well, now I want to see this video. Oh, I can send it to you guys. <laughs> I was. I was meaning to put it into like an actual like video to show like like why I'm not why I always wanted to have the guards on first or why it scares me when I see people building these mills without guards on them because of what can happen with the blade and where you don't want to stand near one of these mills. You don't want to stand anywhere in the plane of where the, the, the head is moving because if that blade breaks, it can go out, it can go through, especially if there's no guards on there. The guards are there to contain it so when it breaks, it doesn't go like this and smack you in the face if you're standing next to the saw head. You definitely don't want to be standing near the chute. That blade breaks in the right spot as it's coming around. It's coming right at the chute. Yeah, I feel like that's a very similar, like, you know, you don't stand in the danger zone of the lathe, you know, the first time you turn it on, you don't stand within the path, you know, I got the table saw, you don't stand directly behind the workpiece. Jim Croce song about that. Which one? (laughs) Don't tug on Superman's cape. Yeah. (laughs) Never mind. Uh, All right. Jim has a, Jim Dockerel has a technical question for Matt. Uh, when milling, um, do you make the pith on the same plane as the blade travel? Uh, yeah, usually I do. And the bigger stuff I will, um, especially if I'm milling something with uh, crotch in it, I try to get the 
the pith of the main log and the two pits of the, the limbs coming out of the crotch in the same plane to get the most crotch figure to be exposed. Um, on the small stuff, I don't really care. It's, they're too small to make a, a difference or make it worth the while. But <laughs> on the small stuff, they're usually like in the same plane anyway because the logs don't taper nearly as much. Do you have any uh, regular issue with um, cupping on those cuts right up next to the uh, right up next to the pith, mm, or just holding it fully dry well? Not a whole lot because I don't try to rush the drying process. So usually it ends up pretty flat. The stuff I have outside the bigger stuff that's been drying for a year now is totally flat still. Hasn't even done anything. Oh wow! Because I have uh, I have two slabs that I brought in two years ago that cupped a little bit, but I didn't have much weight on top of them. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of sitting there. Just kind of interested to see if it was because they were drying in my basement, drying faster, or if it was because they didn't have enough weight on them. A little bit of both. The stuff I dry in the basement usually does pretty well if I have all that weight on top of it. Um, if it's gonna cup like that. You might see a crack if it's around the pith before the cupping happens, so it ends up kind of leveling out, I guess. But um, I don't know. James is losing it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm reading the chat. I, I, I uh, I've been fighting back trying to make a joke about drying out a pithy crotch, but <laughs> uh, okay, all right, I'm done. Uh, Paul Jackman uh, showed up to the live chat. And oh, 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 yeah, no. yeah, he's uh -oh. here for Cremona's crotch. Yeah, I know he is. <laughs> crotch hunter. Uh, uh, oh, this live chat is making it really difficult. Okay, all right. Where really are we? Have a good time. Come join us in the live chat when we uh, when we record. Oh, this is entertaining. <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of witty puns about cupping the crotch and uh married okay well, we have an interesting one here from the duck um and uh he asks uh, what would you say is the easiest or safest way to build a small bandsaw mill uh one with guards of, i don't know well let's let's do this you know is if you were wanting to build something it was like uh 24 inches um nothing major but you know in chainsaw size what would be the the way you would go a chainsaw that you said well, no, like something that would be in that size. Would you? How would you make the bandsaw mill? Detailed. Give us details. Blueprints, if you have them. If you have a SketchUp <laughs> model. I would probably. I like the design that I I'm using on mine because it's really easy to kind of put it together. There's a lot of simplicity in the whole mechanism. So I would probably just follow the same design to scale it down. You probably don't need to go to the same extent that I did with all the structural stuff. You could definitely thin things out a lot. Um, but the overall design of having the drive side with the pillow blocks, whatever size shaft you need on that smaller apparatus you're going to have. And the adjusters are going to be exactly the same. And then the idle side, the sliding box thing over the tube, it works really well for tensioning the blade. So I'd probably do exactly the same thing. Similar carriage, similar track. Cool. Yeah. Is this a good time to plug your, your giant bandsaw.com? Giantbandsawmill.com? Giant yeah. <laughs> the many domains I own? Yes. Yeah. How many domains have you purchased now? Uh, too many, thanks to the first year of Wood Talk. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, oh, Shannon Mark says I should do something. I should probably do it. And then that, that kind of grew old pretty quickly. And then I stopped respecting their opinions. And uh, <laughs> now I don't listen to them as much. <laughs> That's right. You got to hold your own. Yes, now I do. Cool. Well, did we have another? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's one more important uh, YouTube in? Uh, the Doc Dark Doc Darkness asks, so "What's one more important YouTube interaction or every 
or event. What's more important, YouTube yeah. interaction or event appearances, which is more rewarding? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I don't know. That's again, like I can't make that decision. <laughs> um, I don't know because both of them are really rewarding and you know and fun in their own way. Um, I can't tell you the number of times where I've been at an event and someone's come to me and to talk to me and they've, they've watched all the videos, they know all these things, they've never commented. So it's it's interesting to meet those people that just don't comment for whatever reason. Not that they, no one has to comment or anything, but I think if you never went to these events and met, met these people in person, you don't get to see once, uh, well, hear from the people that don't comment at all, but you also get to kind of associate a face with a name and really build those personal interactions or personal relationships with everybody. At the same time, you're kind of fostering those people that those people in those relationships along the way as you're commenting back and forth over the years or months or whatever. I had an interesting one yesterday. Um, I went to the Midwest Tool Collectors Association meet. Um, it's, it's like two miles away from me in uh, Loves Park here. And uh, it's, these two guys came walking up to me and they were from China and they were my friend, fans from China. Um, just out of the blue saying, hey, we've been watching you and it was kind of cool to meet you. And they they happened um, to be in the area for other reasons and saw the, the meeting and thought they could come and say hi. So it was, uh, you, you oh, never wow. know who you're going to run into. <laughs> so yeah. as a guy, as a guy that doesn't go to a lot of the events, like the woodworking shows, um, just because it doesn't work with my schedule or whatever reason, I haven't made it to one of the big meetups yet. Um, I, I was interested in that too. Um, do you guys ever get recognized in your towns, like in your cities, like just randomly? Yeah. Every now and then. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm the the guy who's under seventy, so everybody knows me. <laughs> <laughs> Not as the H fabrications, but the, no, the, young, has the whippersnapper. Yeah. yeah. I'm, just, I'm just the I'm the young buck. Yeah. The greenhorn or like whatever whatever thing, you know, whatever ubiquitous adjective old people use to call you know, inexperienced <laughs> young kids. I'm every one of them. Uh that's funny. No, I was just in the uh, uh, I was just in the this little uh, country store just down the road from my house, and I was talking to the owner because she had some walnut logs that were just laying out back, and I was asking her if I could take some or if I could pay her some for bowl blanks. Uh, and the guy in, standing next to me said, "Oh, if you ever need a sawmill, here's my card." And I said, "Oh, great. Hey, my name's Will." I'm a furniture maker and YouTuber. And he goes, yeah, and you're on a podcast too, right? <laughs> like, Whoa, that's weird. Like, you knew who I was, like, this whole time. And so, but, yeah. Uh, I think um, so, in-person just are two different ways of doing it. In-person, I think in-person in are always, they, they tend to be very good interactions. Because anytime you're with a person, you're not wanting to, you know, annoy them. Whereas online, there's always the good and the bad. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of playing with between the two, but um, so, a lot more interesting people online than in real life. <laughs> speaking of interesting, um, this one's from Make Brooklyn. Matt, do you think Mark is more handsome or more awesome? <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, he's getting old now, so <laughs> definitely losing some of those handsome points. <laughs> if you could only look at him or listen to him <laughs> <laughs> oh that's oh, good 
I might just look at him. Yeah. Stick a hit bullet in him. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can take that for the joke of the week. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we are uh, we we're recording early, um, we are going to. I know we said we were going to do the creators photo challenge this week, but because we're recording early. Um, we're still allowing you to have that in until uh, Thursday. Well, actually, it'll probably be Friday is when we'll be recording next. No, no, just turn in your damn pictures. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we'll be choosing the next one, uh, which will actually be, we'll be recording uh, Friday, this coming Friday, which will be tomorrow if you're listening to it. Get them in by Thursday. The future. <laughs> yeah. and, and you'll win something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll win something from my shop, which may be kind of fun because I just went to the Midwest tool collectors yesterday and have a bunch of things to give away. So Matt will send you the pithiest crotch he has. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's get in. What's what's inspiring this week? Uh this week. Uh Will, what you got? So this isn't new, but it's kind of new. Um I've been watching Casey Neistat's new project 368. Um, it's, uh, you know, more of his vlogging, but it's a really different style than he's used to doing. Um, but he announced this, this project 368, which is the old beam studio space where he's going to open it up to other creators, smaller creators. And it's going to be this like space you can go and, and make content in. Um, so I'm, I'm watching that just kind of seeing where that goes, but um, it's interesting. I don't know. That's I, that's a really boring answer I know, but <laughs> uh, but it's yeah it's related to YouTube so uh, yeah I've just been busy. James, what are you watching? Or reading? I have to uh, give a shout out to uh, Carl Jacobson. Um, he was a Turner on YouTube and well and other places, um, but he did this. Uh, um, what is it? It's a sink. There's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> sink. But it's out of a natural edge Manzantica burl. Manzanita, I think. Manzanita, however that's pronounced. Um, but it's absolutely gorgeous, this bright red um, flowing surface. And he he turned it into a bowl and then took a uh, um, then took a, a power planer to it and shaped it a little bit further. And it's a this beautiful natural shaped bowl that is fantastic. And it's it's actually a, a, a sink bowl. Did I say sink or did I say bowl? Yes, you said sink. Um, so you know it's like this the vessel, thing vessel thing. yeah um, absolutely gorgeous and uh, really was kind of an inspiring moment of ooh I could do something like that that'd be fun so yeah uh, Zach what you got um, I'm still reading the same book because they you know they take a while to read um, books well, am I right <laughs> uh, the story of art it's just the history of art um ties into a lot of design and architectural stuff. So it's a good read. Some history, some art. Yeah, good stuff. Fun. Well, Matt, Matt. What, you, what you got? I'm going to say I've been watching the slow-mo guys. They just finished up their super slow show, like miniseries thing. So they had like a video like every day, I think for like the past, I don't know, like six weeks or something. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I just like those guys. They're funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just find it interesting because like, a lot of the, the like behind the scenes conversations about people like trying to grow their channels or trying to figure out what works for them. And I think a lot of it is personality. Cause there's a lot of like other channels that do like, here's some slow-mo. It's like, okay, that's nice. I don't want to see three minutes of slow-mo, whatever. I want to see these. I want to see Gavin, Dan having a funny time interacting and doing yeah. crazy stuff together. Like 
the slow mo is like almost like, like like a secondary thing to the actual entertainment value, which comes from them, and they're kind of fly together. Yeah, <laughs> I have to check them out. I've never actually watched them. I've heard of them, but I I just never have. But you've encouraged me to. I'm gonna go watch them after this show. Yeah, they're, they're they did quite entertaining. One, um, where they actually climbed inside of a uh, um, weather balloon. Yeah. <laughs> like a 30 foot diameter weather balloon and climbed inside and did slow mo footage of it popping from inside the balloon. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, actually, this, this kind of relates. Uh, so, in that book that I'm reading, The Story of Art, one of the first things it talks about is how all the old paintings of horses and stuff. Uh, I can't remember the logistics of it, but you look at pretty much all historical paintings of horses. Um, all their legs are off the ground at the same time and they're spread out and stuff. Well, it was only recently when we got high speed cameras that we realized that all of those paintings are completely <laughs> inaccurate because that's not how they run. <laughs> and so like, I can't remember when this happened. It was, but it was probably like in the, I don't know, in the last couple hundred years when they figured out or last hundred years, I'm sure when they got cameras that could take a quick enough picture to where you could actually analyze the stride of the horses. And uh, it's totally different than they've been painted historically. And then when people started painting them correctly, like it just looked wrong. So everybody <laughs> just went back to painting them incorrectly. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Would this be in a, in a gallop or in a canter or? I don't know. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> The slow mo uh, guy should do one on, on that. That'd be good. Well, since you're talking, what's the what's your favorite tool of the week? I don't have one yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fine, Will. What you got? Uh, I picked up uh, a set of, of proper dividers um, mm. from the guy when I when I spoke at the Fredericksburg Area Woodworkers Guild. Um, this guy Rick Long, um, who is the president of the Richmond area, no, Richmond Antique Tools Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he sells tools. Uh, he actually gifted me um, a nice Stanley 151 also, but a, a proper set of dividers. Um, they're made by the Samson Tool Manufacturing Company. Um, so I've been using this to lay out uh, proper dovetails uh, instead of just using my, my compass, like, you know, with a pencil like that you'd use in third grade. Uh, <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. And I don't have an affiliate link, so you'll just have to believe me that <laughs> I bought them from an antique tool dealer. How proper of you? I, I think I used proper <laughs> 10 times in that. <laughs> well, you know, that is funny, though. A good set of dividers, though, are just so nice to use. Yeah, it's a great thing to have. Yeah. And dividers in general. Yeah. Well, I uh, I picked up a uh, a miter shear yesterday at the Midwest Tool Collectors Meet, and uh, I am in love with this thing. I've wanted one for a very long time, but finally got this one um, and got a, a really decent deal on it too. But if you've never seen a miter shear, you know, imagine it's scary. Yeah, like like the massive biggest <laughs> paper cut you, paper cutter you've ever seen laid up on its side. Holy crap! Um, but with a bigger handle. And it has enough strength to shear through a one by four. And it's oak. like a sideways guillotine. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the, the cool thing about it is it does basically exactly what a shooting board would do, except for it can take off like a 16th of an inch. Um, that's crazy. So that's and, a really good tool for your kids to use. Yes. 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 Stick your oh, hand yes. in here. Slash. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like a, a, a six inch long razor sharp knife. Uh, with a uh, a two foot lever behind it forcing it in, 
Um, so it, it, for <laughs> doing things like uh, mill work and picture frames, it is phenomenal. Or Even interrogations. For, <laughs> 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 for uh, like small stock shooting board things, it is uh, you get you, you get a glassy clean planed sheer cut. Um, but you can set it, you can have pre-designed sets so it's, it's locked in at a particular angle of 45 or 90. I bet they sell just as many of those to like the mafia as they do to the woodworking <laughs> community. <laughs> so yeah, that's my tool of the week. Uh, Matt, you got one? Uh, I'm going to go with my uh, horizontal metal cutting bandsaw thing. Uh, I thought you were going with blowtorch. I know. I cheap. I, I checked out on that one. I thought I'd go with an actual tool. I know. Uh, I don't know. It's been uh, fun. I got it a few months ago, and so far, uh, Dima's used it more than me to cut uh, brass stock for his uh, hammerheads. <laughs> so I've already run uh, 24 feet of uh, hex stock through that thing, cutting it up into two and three quarter inch blanks for him. And I have a lot of brass shavings to do something with now. Thanks. Now to you're going to make a foundry. I could. So, and you don't run that with uh, with coolant. Even though you have the capacity to, nah, I stopped so using I, uh, lubricant on my drill press too. I so I why did you? So is this? Um, it's the Laguna, right? That was a jet. Oh my god! Oh, it's a jet. Okay, is that was that something that they that you worked with them to get kind of like my grizzly thing, or is it? Did yeah, you? Spend I, I your... sent them twenty two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no. So that was my question: Is like, were you paying your your money for it, uh, or was it like a kind of a brand like influencer thing? Nope. And if so, why why did you spring for the model that had the reservoir for coolant? If you don't want to use, because it? it's the only option they had. They didn't have a coolantless. One. Oh, I didn't realize it's, that. It's by default on that one. Oh, it's okay. the um, it's a mitering horizontal bandsaw, so it's like even more money because it swivels, but. I'm really okay. happy I got that feature because I did the the only thing I've cut for myself so far are the bases for the waterfall tables and they were all uh, really goofy angled cuts. So it was super nice to have my long like twelve foot piece mm -hmm. of stock sticking out the door and then have to move it. I can just move the saw around as opposed to having to change the vice every single time for all different angles. I actually have a uh, the jet eight by fourteen geared head bandsaw there you on go. the way. Yeah. What, which size did you get? I got the seven ten. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I really want the big one so that I could do because I've done I did a big X brace table um, and I cut like eight inch square tubing um, <laughs> at like probably 35 degree angle. Oh, nice. So um, I, I won't be able to do that with this. <laughs> this one. I'll, have to, I'll have to step down to six inch metal tubing. I don't know why you guys are laughing. <laughs> so, Matt, why didn't you have that saw when I was there helping you? Because you handed me this circular saw with a metal blade in it. Yeah, so when I built the bandsaw mill, I wanted to build it with as minimal <laughs> tools as possible just to show that it's possible to do it with basic tools. So I didn't go out and I was going to buy, like the biggest the biggest like thing people told me I should have bought was the, um, the mag drill. And I was going to buy one, but I was like, you know what? This would be way more entertaining for people to watch if I don't have one and make it super easy. And I can also learn a lot more about drilling holes in steel mm -hmm. doing it the harder way. And now if I ever do get one, I can really appreciate the fact that it's a lot easier than doing it all by hand. And I don't know. I thought it worked out pretty well. And I got a lot of free comments and engagement from people telling me I should have bought a mag drill. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's pretty easy to buy engagement. You just do something that people think is stupid and they'll let you know. 
and you get a free comment. <laughs> so which, which have you gotten more comments from? Not having a mag drill or not putting a crank on the, and not putting a motor on the crank? Oh, I don't know. That's pretty close now. That's really <laughs> close now. Um, it's either, and coming up quite right, right behind it is adding a lubrication system to the mill. Yes. Uh, that, that's pretty close as well. I don't know. Well, I just, you should do a video where you use like orange tang as lubricating <laughs> fluid for like. <laughs> oh, I don't The things people worry about, I don't know. It's like, it's not. It's not a pain point. None of these things are pain points to me. Like I'd rather be like it. It definitely shows. Like it, I have proven the fact that I would rather be cutting logs up than building stuff. Like yeah. building the mill, building. I'm like it's a means to an end. I want to be sawing. I don't want to be installing lubrication systems. I'm standing there anyway. I might as well just push a little button on a pump and just spray the blade to keep it so uh, keep it quiet. Which you should just. More. I use it anyway. You should just tell people, yeah, well, I've got a giant bandsaw mill. What do you have? Nanny, nanny, boo boo. <laughs> that would go really well. <laughs> yeah. It'd go really well. <laughs> you probably get more comments on your comment. Oh, that's true. Oh, no. Yeah. See, no. See I, think, I think that's the next generation of YouTube is that we are actually going to become the trolls of YouTube, just trying oh, to get people yes. to comment. I already do that. <laughs> it's it's incredible like how many decisions I make in my workflow and my process and what I show is driven by comments. Yes. The comments that I expect I'm gonna get like, do I want to deal with this comment? Yes or no? If no, then I'll do it the way that people think I should do it and they'll leave me alone. Otherwise, if I'm feeling a little bit on the more like crazy side, then I'll just do it the way that I expect these comments to come in and get the comments, I guess, and deal with it. But I, I gotta feel like in a certain mood for that. Otherwise, I'm like I don't want to deal with that right now or ever. <laughs> I usually put a disclaimer if I'm doing something the non-standard way or like I didn't have like I'm uh, on the table bedside tables that I made. I wanted to use shellac, but I ran out of rags to do like a French polish. And so I used a foam brush knowing that the denatured, that the alcohol and the cut shellac would, would break down the foam brush. So I put in like the disclaimer, do not use a foam brush for this reason. And that seemed to like, Stay off the, the, the bad comments, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's happened again. You have squandered another perfectly good hour listening to us <laughs> have a lot of fun. <laughs> Talk about Matt's crotch. Yes. <laughs> I have to say a huge thank you, Matt. This has been a, an awesome time on here. This was rather enjoyable. I'm <laughs> looking forward to doing it again some more time. <laughs> you sound surprised. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for you. You never know what you're getting into. You know? We'll let you go so you can go enjoy your crotch. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go over there and just stroke it <laughs> with the grain, though, you know. Might be against the grain. I don't know. We'll see how crazy I'm feeling. <laughs> Depends on those comments. Yes. And so we do all. Uh, if you want to join us live in the future, we will be uh, recording on the YouTube channel, Creators Collective. You can feel free to join us there. And uh, until next time, have a wonderful day. Later, you guys. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening to The Creators Collective. We publish weekly on Thursdays in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.